Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a quick and dirty tip about the difference between burned and burnt. And in honor of the upcoming spelling bee, a meaty middle about the history of English spelling. Let's start with the burn. I used to be a terrible cook. One problem was that I would get distracted and end up burning things a lot. But in such cases, should I say dinner is burned, or should I say it's burnt? And why do we have two forms of that word anyway? Well, burned and burnt are both acceptable past tense forms of the verb to burn. But which one you use depends on where you live, because the verb burned is the much more common form in the United States and Canada. Burned and burnt are used more interchangeably as a verb in Britain, so I tend to think of burnt as a British form of the verb. And the Oxford English Dictionary, which takes a British approach, given that it's published in Oxford, says that burnt as a verb is always permissible, but burned is slightly archaic and somewhat more formal than burnt. So you might say, mom burned the muffins in the U.S., but mom burnt the crumpets in the U.K., also, a Dictionary of Modern English Usage says that the two forms can have slightly different meanings. For example, if you say a house burnt down, that implies it happened quickly. But people are more likely to use burned for something that took a long time, like the fire burned for days. But this isn't a hard and fast rule. Burned is the older form of the word, and we only have burnt because of a British trend toward adding T instead of ED to verbs that started in the 16th century. It's the same reason we have the pairs learned and learnt, spilled and spilt, spelled and spelt, and so on. Over the centuries, people on both sides of the pond sometimes liked burnt and sometimes didn't but the burnt form eventually stuck in Britain. Americans haven't been so sure about it. Burnt was actually more popular than burned in America in most of the 18th century, but then burned overtook it again in the 19th century, and that's what we're more likely to use today. We roasted s'mores as the campfire burned. But if we consider burned and burnt as adjectives, then the two words are on more equal footing in the U.S. In fact, you're more likely to see burnt as an adjective than as a verb here. 
For example, burnt is an adjective when you're talking about burnt sienna, the color of a crayon. And apparently a beloved color because the Crayola Company retired some colors in 2003 but let people vote on one to save. Burnt Sienna was the winner, beating out Blizzard Blue, Magic Mint, Mulberry, and Teal Blue, which are no more. And this is a fascinating aside. Sienna is a type of dirt that contains ferric oxide, basically a component of iron that's used as a pigment, and it is actually burned, roasted, to make the reddish-brown color. It's yellowish-brown if it isn't roasted. So, burnt is an adjective because it's describing the type of sienna. And I actually wonder how much the popularity of these crayon colors we play with as children has to do with our American acceptance of burnt as an adjective. Besides burnt sienna, we also have burnt umber, which was retired in 1944, and burnt orange, which is still in production. So that's your quick and dirty tip. Burned and burnt are both okay. If you're in the United States, you'll sound more natural if you stick with burned as the verb and save burnt to use as an adjective. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. And now, on to the meaty middle. You may have noticed that in English, most word spellings don't correspond exactly to the way they're pronounced, which can be frustrating and make some people cry out for a spelling update. But doing that wouldn't benefit anyone. We'll explore this topic in two parts. Part one this week is about the history of English spelling and spelling reforms. And part two next week is about the reasons to keep our writing system the way it is. 
The main reason spelling doesn't match pronunciation very well is that most of our spellings come from a time from the 14th to the 16th centuries. And back then, many people couldn't read or write well, or at all. So attempts to standardize the way people spelled took time and were difficult to enforce. Even Shakespeare spelled his own name different ways on occasion. His own name. According to linguists Anne Curzan and Michael Adams, St. Augustine and his followers began writing with the Latin alphabet in England around the year 597. The alphabet had 23 letters for around 35 English sounds, so some letters were used for multiple sounds, kind of like we do today. Later, when the Norman French invaded England in 1066, some French spellings were introduced, which is why, for example, city is spelled with a C, like the word for city in French, C-I-T-E. When scribes at the time needed to create a vowel sound there was no letter for, they sometimes doubled consonants after the vowel, or added an adjacent second vowel, such as ee or ea, to reflect the multiple sounds represented by one vowel. But they did so inconsistently. Remember, back then every document in the world was written by hand, and duplicated by hand, too. At this time, words like night really were pronounced the way they were spelled, with the K sound at the beginning and the throaty sound you hear in Hebrew for the G-H. The I sound was more like the sound in bit, so kind of like knicked. So back then, night, the warrior, and night, the opposite of day, were not homophones like they are today, but they still rhymed. Later on, over a few hundred years and ending during the 17th centuries, people started pronouncing almost all English vowels differently. This change is noticeable to scholars, partly because it occurred just after spellings had started to become standardized. So there's actually a name for it, the Great Vowel Shift. And by the end of the shift, words like mouse and house that had been pronounced like moose and hoose started sounding like the way we say them today, mouse and house. But since spelling had become more standardized, the spellings stuck even after the pronunciations changed. One of the key elements that allowed spelling to eventually become fixed was the printing press, invented by Johannes Gutenberg in the mid-15th century. Around that time and later, a spelling reform of sorts took place because printed works in their various haphazard spellings were becoming much more widely distributed. But those efforts brought new spelling problems because they were based on the whims of a small number of men in positions of authority who revered Latin and Greek. Renaissance scholars took it upon themselves to change spellings not to be more like pronunciations, but instead to be more like the classical languages, creating the silent letters in words like debt, and even adding silent letters that we eventually started to pronounce. For example, the Middle English word for falcon was F-A-U-C-O-N, but scholars stuck an L in there to make it look more like a Latin word, and now speakers pronounce the L, falcon. That's also why receipt has a P, an indict has a C. It used to be spelled I-N-D-I-T-E, without the C. 
Even later, in 1898, Noah Webster successfully made some changes to U.S. spellings, hoping to strengthen the cultural divide between the British and the Americans. For example, Webster took the U out of honor and took the British spelling of realize, R-E-A-L-I-S-E, and changed the S to a Z. But many of his proposed changes were rejected because certain spellings were already too well-known and widespread. For example, he wanted to drop the E at the end of determine, which didn't work out too well, as we know. From today's standpoint, it doesn't really seem appropriate to actively make spelling changes to divide speech communities. Further, I think we can all agree that it might be easier for the English-speaking world now if people had rejected Webster's changes, especially for schoolchildren who move from the U.S. to the U.K. and vice versa and are still in the middle of learning to read and spell. In the U.S., most of us learned to spell glamour with that British U, and we're all doing just fine with the U there. You may have heard of the attempt at spelling reform in Germany in the 90s. The German government did pass a spelling reform law, but there were numerous court cases and legal challenges against it. Even a decade after the reform, many newspapers wound up following some of the new rules, but not others, leading to more gray areas in spelling conventions instead of fewer. One takeaway from all this is that meddling and reforming writing systems that are already established typically just adds confusion. Confusion that only sorts itself out after time has passed and doesn't do much good in the short term unless there truly is no standard to begin with, in which case, of course, people would need a standard to be established. Even though some of the reforms from hundreds of years ago were chosen arbitrarily, that's still not a reason for further meddling now especially when we're able to disseminate the written word in mere seconds. Next week, we'll explore more about why that is. That segment was by Sayel Graves, who has two master's degrees in linguistics. You can read more about her at sayelgraves.com. That's S-Y-E-L-L-E-G-R-A-V-E-S dot com. Thank you this week to the people who told me where they listen. Mimi listens by a lovely pond or lake at the Marin Center, which was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. But Mimi, I see that there is a flock of geese in your picture by the water. Mimi, don't turn your back on them. I don't trust geese. Seesaw Swam listens during breaks from teaching. And Freckleface2010 on Instagram was listening to the podcast in the shower while I was talking about wanting to listen to an audiobook in the shower and posted a picture of the waterproof Bluetooth speaker she uses to make that possible. So thank you. That is definitely going on my wish list. Grammar Girl is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network. Search your podcasting app for Quick and Dirty Tips to see all our other shows. Also, the ebook version of my book, The Grammar Devotional, is on sale for just $2.99 until the end of May. So if you've been wanting to buy it, now is a good time. I'm Mignon Fogarty. That's all. Thanks for listening. This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024, the title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off. 
hang 10 while hanging out. Where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun. Where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. True or false, Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart.